everyone, it's Amelia Quint. I'm here with Jessa Crispin for the latest episode of Bad Astrologers, where we take a cultural, spiritual, literary, and mythological look at the heavens. As always, this podcast is made possible by our patrons. If monthly forecasts and Q&A videos where you can ask a question about your personal natal chart sound like your cup of tea, head over to patreon.com and join us. Another easy way to show your support is to leave us a positive review on iTunes so the almighty algorithm can show this podcast to more lovely people just like you. And you can find us on social media at Bad Astrologers. Jess is on Instagram and I'm on Twitter, so come say hi the next time you log in. This week's episode is a little different and we're really excited to share it with you. Unfortunately, we had some pretty tough audio issues trying to make it happen, so it doesn't sound on par with what we usually release. Still, the conversation was so special, valuable, and just plain fun that we wanted you to hear it anyways, so please bear with us as you listen. We'll be back to the good, clean audio quality again next time around. So what conversation was so special that we knew you had to have it, regardless of any Mercury trickery? Our collaboration with the Astrolushes. We talked with writers, wine enthusiasts, and astrology devotees Lisa Marie Basile and Andy Tallarico about being a Scorpio Cancer duo, asteroids Dionysus and Bacchus, and what star signs they just can't resist. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. So let's get into it. Take a deep breath, relax your shoulders, turn the volume all the way up, and enjoy the show. Amelia Quint and Jessica Crispin here with Bad Astrologers Podcast, our first one of the new year. Um, and we're very excited today because we have some special guests, our friends from the podcast Astro Lushes. Um, Lisa Marie Basile and Andy Tallarico have joined us for uh, what I'm sure is going to be an awesome conversation. Thanks so much for being with us, guys. Oh, You're we're so, so welcome. We're so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having <laughs> us. <laughs> Yes, I've definitely been listening to your podcasts, and I love the deep dives on your um, individual magical practices and your general um, strong opinions on the various zodiac signs. So I thought we we definitely have to um, have to talk, and we also have a nice connection. So both of our teams are. A Scorpio is a cancer. I know. It's true. It's, it's the greatest friendship in all of astrology. <laughs> it's a wonderful pairing. That can one. confirm that uh, cancers make amazing podcast co-hosts, for sure. <laughs> I agree with that. As, as a Scorpio who has Andy as a cancer co-host, it's been wonderful. I think Andy kind of helps boil down my simmer a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yeah, I mean, I think that works. The dynamic goes the same for us. I bring a lot of um, 
extreme like <laughs> effusiveness um that just like boils over um and sometimes you need to just like I don't know like take the pan off the heat for a second and be like okay simmer down you're gonna be fine yes yes you do have to take the pan off the heat <laughs> I mean, I feel like sometimes cancers can like really kind of add to the boil, though. I have to be fair. I think there's like a a dynamic between Scorpio and cancer that like they feed each other a lot, too, Um, which makes for, I think, better co-hosting because it makes it more entertaining. (laughs) Yes, actually, it does. It's like, oh, they're going to be so balanced. Oh, wait, they went there. (laughs) Great. Well, we're a fan yeah, of yours as well. Yes, we're big fans of Bad Astrologers. I've been listening to you guys um, for a while now, and I, I caught up and did my homework this morning as well. Um, I kind of love that your theme is Bad Astrologers, and we're astrolushes over here. Um, yeah. <laughs> There's definitely a simpatico there. Um, and I learn a lot from you guys uh, myself, so I really do appreciate you having us on. Definitely. Oh, of course. Uh, thank you. Yeah, we try not to add too much to the noise, so we want to keep it interesting. Mm-hmm. I think especially the next one that we have coming out will be interesting. We uh, address the uh, Adam Driver discourse, so that'll be good. Oh my. Um, uh, the discourse in my dreams. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's dive right in. Um Maybe we should, at the very beginning, for our listeners, we know who y'all are and think you're wonderful, but could each of you give just a very brief description of um, who you are and what kind of work you do? Lisa, just pass that to me. Thank you so much. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I'm Andy. My, I'm Andy Tallarico. Um, I'm a practicing strega. Um, I've been studying astrology as an enthusiast and student of it um, for about 25 years or so. I would not call myself an expert. Um, but it's something that I was raised in and around. I read tarot. Um, I'm a poet and a biographer. I work here in, oh. in Brooklyn. And um, yeah, I guess my my interest in astrology goes a lot further than like the memes that we find and sort of the the like pop culture ideas of astrology. But that being said, I would not call myself like um, and, like um, an intellectual yeah, expert. Sorry, um, I uh, I did something wrong with technology. If you heard a little background noise, my that's office. okay. Um, sorry, Mandy. That's okay. Lisa, take it. Take the wheel. Sure. Um, so I'm Lisa Marie Bazile. I am a writer and editor. I manage Luna Luna Magazine. Um, founded it uh, seven or eight years ago now. I've got some books of poetry. I'm a nonfiction writer. I write largely about self-care and ritual and writing as ritual. Um, and like Andy, I also dabble in stregeria um, of Italian descent and I'm definitely studying more about it. Mm-hmm. As far as astrology is concerned, I've always been really, really interested in it. I journal quite a lot about it. I'm not professional by any means. I'm more of an enthusiast. Um, but everywhere I go and everywhere we go together, we end up in conversations with people about it. So it's something that I'm very, very passionate about and that um, I use as a reflection tool. And mm-hmm. I find so much more important than I think a lot of people give it credit for. So um, I think that's me in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> 
Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. Um, I love that you're both Italian witches. We'll get into that more later. (laughs) And, you know, on being an astrology enthusiast, I think one thing that's really special about the cultural moment we're in right now is that we have the tools and the knowledge available that Mm -hmm. even people who are, they just want to be enthusiasts or practitioners without doing anything professional, we can do that on a really deep and meaningful level. No, it's not so much like um, press the button and Zoltar gives you your fortune. Right. Um, (laughs) There's some, some real depth there. So since we're talking about um, our engagement with astrology, I'm curious for both of you, how did you get started with astrology? Was there like a gateway book or experience that you had that made you say like this, this is for me? Um, this is Lisa here. I, uh, I think for me, it really began, it kind of... As a child, I was really interested in it, and my grandmother and my mom all had at, they at least read, you know, the uh, horoscopes, and they read them to me. And I understood from an early age that Scorpio was a sign that people had either major issues with or loved. Um, but <laughs> like my beliefs in general, they've gone back and forth, especially in my adolescence and my young adulthood. So... Um, I kind of dropped in and out of it and find my, I found myself coming back to it, I think, in my late 20s. I'm now in my mid-30s. Um, looking at it as a tool for reflection and looking to archetypes for answers and for filling in the gaps of my own like personal self-introspection. So for me, it really clicked in my, I would say my late twenties when I started really understanding that Scorpio is something that could inhabit and also learn from and pull from and use as a power source. And then from there it became, how can I understand others? How can I make connections and conversations with people um, meaningfully that allowed them to also kind of pull on their understandings of themselves? So it's been a long, long road. And now I feel it is so totally ingrained in my personality and my everyday life that I couldn't imagine not talking about astrology daily. (laughs) (laughs) I get that. That's beautiful. I feel that. Um, so this is Andy talking. Um, for me, like I grew up, uh, in a similar way in that my family always read horoscopes. My mother is a really proud Pisces. Um, my father's a Scorpio. I'm a cancer born of a Pisces and Scorpio. Um, and she (laughs) sort of always let me know that growing up and I didn't, completely have an idea of what that meant, of course, for a long time, but always read my daily horoscopes with her. And then somewhere around like age 12 or 13, uh, my aunt, uh, Rosellen, um, was talking to me about her sign. She's a Virgo. She was like, yeah, I'm a Virgo, but you know, there's a whole chart attached to that. Like Virgo is only my son's sign. And, and my mind was blown immediately. And I, you know, <laughs> I asked for an explanation and it turned out that she was somebody who professionally, um, interpreted people's astrology charts. And so she, um, helped me with mine, which I didn't have a complete grasp of, but I, you know, was able to gather some information Mm -hmm. from it. And then me being the kid I was, I went to our public library and I stole the only book they had on astrology. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I condone it. Because it was serious street crime. (laughs) It was gigantic. And I was like, there's no way I can read this in two weeks. Um, And it was uh, Zolar, Zolar's book of astrology from like the 60s. Um, and it was seriously bigger than the Bible and (laughs) I took it home and it became my Bible. Um, and it sort of became for me, um, 
an, a, a, like an extroversion thing. So it was for me, it became like in school, it was a way for me to talk to people in a way that completely deflected the conversation away from me. And it sort of became my party trick to just guess people's signs. Um, Which Andy is incredibly and creepily good at. (laughs) Don't set me up like that. Don't set me up like that. Um, But yeah, it became like um, just a way of talking about people and understanding people. Um, And I've got into this and I'm not trying to go on for too long, but um, I didn't have like a really great upbringing in childhood and I wasn't really great at social skills because of that. And so like I had two ways to sort of understand the world around me and to them, there were two systems, which were fiction and astrology. So everyone could relate to a character or a sign in my mind. And um, it became a way of like not only being able to talk to people, but to understand others. And uh, I just sort of never stopped doing that. I love that. Yeah. I remember in one of the episodes you mentioned that for you, like astrology was the introvert's secret weapon. (laughs) And I thought that was such a great way to explain it because I think, I think you're not alone in that. I think so many of us, we Mm -hmm. came to astrology searching for a way to connect with others. And, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody has every sign in their chart and everyone has something beautiful and unique about them. And like, it's, it's so much fun. Like, I love that discovery process. Like even looking at y'all's charts today, I was like, oh, this is so, this is so cool. I see this and this makes sense now. It's just very, very neat. I love that. Yes, I do too. And you're, it's so (laughs) true. Like I'll be at parties or gatherings where there are people who you know from the uh, like from the outset seem different from me or whatever the case might be in a different industry etc and immediately once you ask about their sign it's like they come to life they bloom and they blossom in front of you and you have this immediate connection um and I think that's really it bridges gaps it's amazing Mm -hmm. it really connects people yeah it absolutely does um so I'm curious for both of you what role would you say astrology plays in your life? Like, do you have a regular astrology practice, like journaling? Do you check your horoscope at certain intervals? Like, what does that look like for you? This is Andy here. I would say astrology is infused in my uh-huh. absolute everyday. Um, I keep up on the transits, and I, I sort of have a cheat to that because my roommate um, is a professional astrologer at Sanctuary World. Um, so. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so he's always like, um, he's always got the hot tip. Um, but I, I read my horoscopes in several different places on several different apps, um, almost on a daily basis. I check on the people that I love. I read my rising sign, um, but I also I read tarot uh, based on astrology, um, and mm, I definitely yes. journal based on astrology. And my writing life is is absolutely tied into it. And then I also take in my magical practice with um, particularly like the lunar calendar. Um, particularly moon phases, um, uh, to do astrology magic. I love that moon phase magic is such powerful, such powerful magic. I think I agree. Um, yeah, I think so too. Mm. I think when I started getting into moon phase magic, it not only gave me a calendar through which to kind of think about things and plan for things. It also allowed me to feel Mm -hmm. more in touch with nature, which Mm -hmm. something I guess living in New York for so long, I have felt so deeply disconnected that it, it, um, it like feeds me in a way. Um, but my practice is largely, I mean, I read my horoscope every day. I am constantly, like we're constantly sending each other information Mm -hmm. back and forth and having conversations. Um, 
but it's become like, for me, I do a lot of shadow work around it. Um, uh-huh. Shadow work is kind of my like primary driver and all of my magical work because for me, like my interest in ritual and magical work kind of intersected with my own growth and healing patterns. So I always wanted to kind of um, find a way to write. That's also my primary use of magic and self introspection. Um, so I always kind of wanted to find a way to use astrology to deduce like the areas in my life in which needed, in which they needed like help and growth and nourishment and love and healing and attention. So being a Scorpio, I think that aligns with a lot of my like personal struggles um, and some of my hardships and trauma as a younger person. Um, this sense of like power and sense yes. of hunger and this constant rebirth and death and transformation. So I often use astrology to kind of write about change and growth. And um, so that's my personal practice. But um, when it comes to like working with others in a magical setting, I use astrology to kind of understand them and see where they're coming from and see where their strengths and also their challenges are. So we can have like a more holistic experience. Um, but I, I deeply love it. And I, 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 yeah, I work with the signs as archetypes very heavily. And if there's something I need or something I need to draw on, I'll, I'll call on something. Um, I have like a pair of Leo earrings that give me like give me oh, a little jolt it. when I need it, and I really appreciate it because I can <laughs> I can cower like in the darkness a little too much. So I'm like, yes, let me be extra today. <laughs> I'm the same. I have my progressed moon in Leo for like another few months, mm-hmm. and it's been like incredible. I'm just like out here buying gold jewelry and wearing yes. bright colors. And as a Scorpio, that's like is a Big no no, big no no for me. I, no, I, I, I love that, Amelia. So deeply approve of this. So deeply approve. <laughs> I just like completely admire. So Jessa has Venus and Leo. And I do too. She's so glamorous, and oh. I'm always like, literally, how, how? Oh. I don't know. See, in my- one of the episodes, she's like, "Yeah, I have three tuxedo jackets." I was like, "Excuse me, ma'am." <laughs> Wow, they're all in different colors, though, so that's a very important part of the process. Uh, there's a right. lot of alignment between you and Andy, then. Yeah, Jessa and I have a lot of overlap in our charts. My Venus is in Leo, but it means that I have um, I have five different kimonos to wear around the house. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so I wanted to mm-hmm. ask, since both of you are poets, what you think the relationship is between literature and astrology, both for you and in a sort of more general sense. Mm -hmm. That's a great question, Jessa. Um, (laughs) I think about this almost every day of my life. You have a book coming out about it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yes. (laughs) I do have a book coming out that definitely intersects like the occult with literature and a writing practice. Oh my God, the connection. I honestly, this is a huge question and I could write you a hundred emails and go on a hundred podcasts to talk about it. But in a nutshell, I would say as a writer and as a poet, the most important thing for me is truth and getting to the bottom foundation of everything. So if you uncover all the po- all the layers and all the piles of shit we've put on top of ourselves and our past and our histories and our fears 
to make a life for ourselves livable, what is at the very base and very bottom of all that? And I think when we look at astrology, we're faced with ourselves in the mirror in a really intense and sometimes really uncomfortable way. And so I think astrology gives us this ability to kind of look at ourselves in, in the face and writing does the same. And when you pair the two, you can strip everything away and kind of find this like beautiful, pure wholeness of self that makes, I think for great writing and also great journaling or diary keeping that lets you confront yourself without lying to yourself, which is my problem because I like to hide from the truth um, because it's more comfortable, but that, that can't, you can never change if you hide from the truth. So I guess that's my like quick and dirty answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess. Um, it's really hard to follow Lisa's really lovely answer because this is what she dedicates so much of her time to, but I'll, I'll say two quick things where I think um, astrology and particularly poetry meet head on for me. One is um, trusting in the unknown and like Ooh, being able to, yes. to channel into questions that don't have solid answers. I think, I think poetry and astrology are both deeply agnostic spiritual practices. Um, and I think they're tapping into a similar source um, for myself, at least. I, don't, I can't say that that's universal, but for me, the, they are so intrinsically entwined. And yeah. um, the second part of it is like marking our place in time. And I think that writing allows us a, like a journalistic documentary of where we've been, what we've done, and what we've survived, survived, not just for ourselves, not just autobiography, but biography and lives lived. And I think astrology in its transits and its constant change and its constant transience it does the same thing. Um, and I look both to astrology and my poetry to go back into a, into a certain time of my life and say, this is exactly what was happening and what the forces that. were at work. That's so beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is really beautiful. Um, that's something that I think about a lot in my practice as well. I, to, to myself, I sort of call it retrospective astrology. Ooh, um, the idea wonderful. that um, so many things are clearer to us, the astrological meaning, um, looking back on them than mm-hmm. they are trying to divine them in the future. Um, so looking at astrology as a sort of chronicle of, of who you are and your own unfolding can be very powerful too. Mm-hmm. That's incredible because I think we, like we all have this hunger for looking into the past to find meaning about our lives and how we've grown. And I think that's like mm-hmm. such a what, retrospective astrology. It's a great phrase. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> um, so we're talking about y'all as writers. Um, how does astrology factor into your writing process at all? I'm curious, like, does it play a role? Do you plan by the stars or try to bring specific astrological energies into your work? I don't intend to, but I'll say this, that like I had to go back through my collection of recently written, I say recent over like a year or two work and I did a keyword search and moon tide <laughs> love it water <laughs> nice shadow generation like all these terms and it, it was to the point where I had to go back and like start editing I think that my astrology creeps <laughs> into my writing in a way that like I have to like bring it back sometimes I think I'm constantly writing <laughs> from my my natal chart it's beautiful <laughs> I need to like sometimes slow my roll on that, but I will let Lisa tackle this, um, this particular subject. I don't know. I think my answer is very similar to yours. Um, I do find like water sign themes in all of my work, Mm -hmm. but sometimes honestly, and I don't know if I do this consciously, but 
I'm like, look, girl, just go as Scorpio as you can with this. Um, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of trends in writing that I think are a little more min- minimalist, a little more um, narrative, a little more like clean and digestible. And there's a lot of like when I went to um, school to study poetry, it was just super not in to be lush or floral or Baroque in any way. Because it meant you were trying too hard. And to be disaffected was to be cool. And if there's anything the Scorpio hates more, um, I mean, it's just be as real and as as authentic and as as intense as you can be. So sometimes when I'm writing, I have to remember in my mind, like, Lisa, just go full in. Like, who cares if everything is filled with gold and water and death and blood? Just do it. And honestly listening to myself and my desires and my writing practice because I remember that I'm a Scorpio has served me well. And I find my audience and anyone who doesn't like me is welcome to go on their merry way. (laughs) (laughs) I think um, gold and water and death and blood are like the words of the Scorpio house pretty much. You nailed it. I agree. (laughs) Yay. Blood and gold. Yes, blood and gold. Oh, that's so good. Um, so this is a little bit of a, a left turn, but I am curious. So as we all know, there has been a huge rise in astrology stuff recently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, from um, horoscopes to apps to, of course, podcasts. And there is so much good out there. Um, um, what made you two want to create an astrology podcast of your own? That's a really inspiration. fair and good question. It is. What do you think? <laughs> I'm going to say maybe the genesis of it might have been our road trip. Mm, yeah. We, yeah. So before we had even considered a podcast, we were just driving back from Salem two falls ago, two autumns ago. And to pass the time, it started as like a general conversation of guessing signs. I think Beyonce came on and I was like, her moon has to be in Scorpio. I love it. <laughs> And Andy's always right. (laughs) And we were looking it up and we were like finding, I don't know, all these like chart placements. And, um, you know, like the ideas like came to us of like, this could be entertaining for other people. Um, But we didn't do anything about it for like six months. And we got together to have a writing date where we just like bring our laptops to a place and write together because we both had deadlines. And um, we had a couple glasses of wine. We had many glasses of wine. and stopped our work that we were supposed to be doing and started talking about astrology again. And I think one of us said we should just record this and make a podcast. And then within about, I'm going to say a three hour time span, literally we had done it. Yeah. So it wasn't that we were like, what needs to be contributed? It was not an intelligent, thoughtful, um, like cultural decision. It was literally like a spur of the moment. I'm a Sag rising uh, she's a Capricorn rising. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. A Sag rising and a Cap rising. If somebody has an idea, it's going to happen. <laughs> like, it's going to happen. We're making it happen. Yeah. It was just this, like, drive to, you know, share our friendship and our passion. It was. But there was, like, no thought of it becoming popular or, um, no. uh, like, you know, well-respected. It was really just, like, a fun thing for us to do. And we still try, we try to, yeah. to treat it that same way. Yeah, we try to carry the through line of like conversational, informal, passionate, fun. At the same time, we do research what we're going to talk about. We do plan things out. But that came like a little bit later. Um, It was mostly just like 
here are two friends interested in books and pop culture and ritual. And we both share that Strega background. So I think we continue to have we we still do a lot of drinking and recording, but can I? <laughs> but can I? Still, <laughs> the can I nothing wrong with it. Can I throw it back to you guys because you're asking so many questions about us, which is yeah. wonderful. But like, I would love to know what was the genesis of your podcast? Yeah. Oh, that's a really good question. Yes, please. Just do you want me to take this one? Sure. Well, yeah. No, well, I was just thinking that it was like I invited you on my other podcast because you can never have too many fucking podcasts. But um, <laughs> yes, yeah. uh, I invited you to talk about the glut of astrological opinion in the world. Right. Um, and yes. it was sort of more, I think the genesis of it was more against contemporary astrological like watered down, memeified culture, kind of than anything else. At least that was sort of uh, how the conversation started. Mm-hmm. But you can sort of correct me if there was another line of thinking on your end. No, that was definitely it. You nailed it. I mean, it was just a lot of fun. We had collaborated, I think, three times prior to starting um, Bad Astrologers. Once to talk about. Uh, the astrology of David Fincher's films. Um, And then we talked about the astrology of Paul Verhoeven's films. And I was like, wow, this is really fun. Um, We were sending emails back and forth about, you know, uh, director's charts and, you know, which transits we were going through that were causing us hell. And then, Mm -hmm. then we talked about the astro boom. And at Mm -hmm. the time I was just feeling, I had had the idea to do a podcast about astrology for a while. And people were like, what are we going to do? You know, you should talk about, stuff and I'm like why would I you know I was really dissatisfied with the discourse um but this is like a fun way to inject some play back into it like I feel like astrology discussions either go towards the memefied or the like so serious that I can't listen to it like I have to turn it off exactly Exactly Um, and I feel like if we just inject more wine and (laughs) and director's charts and stuff into it we'll have a a much better time so you guys go for directors we go for writers so that was that's been like our (laughs) that's definitely been our focus is like let's talk about Anise Nin and her chart let's talk about uh Toni Morrison and her chart um definitely writers for us were like our jumping off points I think it's really great that you guys are doing directors we're doing writers but I think we're I think we're trying to possibly occupy a similar space Mm. somewhere between the memes of like your sun sign says you're going to be like this and here's a here's a picture of a meme that you've seen three thousand times today oversimplified oversimplified um oh you're cancer you're a mommy you're so soft you're a scorpio it's sex and death and that's it that's all you get and but also not like the high academia of like high uh magic which is like a whole different space that i'm actually not that interested in either yeah and like finding the mid space finding the the middle of that conversation because both of those like those ends of the spectrum come with their own issues one the memes like are totally reductionist and two i think when you meet certain people who carry specific ideas of how astrology should be interacted with that's awesome and they're knowledgeable and you learn from them. But at some point you feel a little bit like either at worst shamed or at best you feel like you have no place. Mm -hmm. And I think everyone, it's an autonomy. It's supposed to be something that gives you autonomy and insight and pleasure and it should be free and available to everyone um, to think about and integrate into their lives. So like, 
yay for the for us filling that space, I guess. <laughs> so can I ask if there's any sort of difference in interpretation or perspective in astrology that sometimes gets on each other's nerves in your in your collaboration? Or any sort of like, no, this is actually, you're wrong about this particular, <laughs> about Gemini or yeah. about, you know, we whatever, do. Um, <laughs> that you've had a sort of clash on. Yes. There's a few signs that keep coming up. But they're sun signs, so they're really basic <laughs> things. Really, really basic. Really basic yeah. things. Yeah. We have very differing opinions on Virgos. Yeah. Yes, we do. Highly differing opinions on, on Virgos, just please, a general sense. With so much Virgo, please tell me your different opinions on Virgo. <laughs> yes. I honestly, okay. Guys. <laughs> and Pisces. And Pisces. And Pisces. Yes, yes. Those are the two big, big, big differences. They're very general, though. How can I put this nicely? Um, I, oh, I, I love it. No, I feel like Jess's chart is full of Virgo. Okay, I'm, I'm treading carefully. Yeah. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I actually, I've admitted this. I've been, I've, been, I've, I've said some things about Virgos on the podcast several times. Um, I always mean them, <laughs> but I have, I have, uh, gotten into the mud with myself about my feelings and I have admitted both on the podcast and at a table for, full of Virgos who have come to me, um, that it is a reckoning with a limitation within myself that creates the complex feelings I have toward Virgos. Um, so even though I don't get along with many Virgos or really meet them halfway very easily, I think it is really an opportunity for me to look at myself and what I'm lacking. So I'm able to kind of make jokes and be a little silly with it, but at the end of the day, I take full accountability for my feelings, which is that I'm a hot mess of a, of a human, and Virgos shine a light on that, and that's okay with me now. <laughs> that was my confession, my deep, heartfelt confession. <laughs> oh. oh, boy. Now you guys hate me. <laughs> no, not at all. See, the thing is, you think that the Virgos and Virgo-type people among you have it together, but... We don't. We just hide it better than the other signs do. That's very fair. <laughs> I'll speak for myself. That's true of me, for sure. Well, both of you have Virgo and Pisces intercepted in your charts. Like, I don't, I don't know how, uh, which house system you guys particularly use, but mm -hmm. both of you have intercepted Virgo-Pisces um, in your charts, which I find a little fascinating. Um, we don't have to talk about it, but, uh, as, as you're sort of talking shit about Virgo, I'm like, well, you haven't intercepted Virgo. So maybe that's part of it. Maybe that's part of it. Well, it's funny because like the other sign that, that Lisa comes up against is Pisces. I do. Um, yeah. And, um, we just have very different, I don't know, like, uh, experiences and perspectives and, and placements in our charts. And so the way that we interact with Pisces within ourselves and without like outside of us are just extremely different. But, um, yeah, I, I, um, I'm, is there a sign that I love that you don't No, I mean like my, you know, my issue is always with Gemini, which is really standard yeah. and, and boring. I find like it's like a basic yeah. bitch stance to right. have. Right. Um, <laughs> not proud of it. <laughs> no, that's fair. fair. Um, but cause I've pointed out that I think it's interesting that my problem is Gemini, your problem is Virgo and we both have problems with mercurial, mm -hmm. um, you know, placements and like, you know, uh, mercury ruled, uh, signs, but, 
Uh, uh, yeah, our, our intercepted parts of our charts. That's, I mean, what would you have to say about that, Jessa? What can you, what can we, what would you say to that? I'm curious. Well, it's fascinating because I also have intercepted Virgo Pisces, so I spend a lot of time thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but any any sort of like um, absences in the charts just like that, um, I find to be like a room without a door and you're sitting outside of it and you can hear banging and screaming from the other side, but you can't quite get it. You can't quite get to it. Um, so yeah, so Virgo is having like a panic attack on the other side of the door and you can't quite get there to, uh, manage the situation. That's Mm -hmm. generally how I feel about intercepted houses. (laughs) Okay. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Um, and I don't, I don't think, I don't think it's incorrect. Um, certainly, uh, we don't, but Lisa and I don't disagree on, a ton of things. I think because we're both like, um, you know, studying and at, I think at fairly similar places in our studies over the decades. Um, uh, it's similar enough. It's similar enough. I'm more, I'm newer to it than you are. Okay. For sure. That's well. I mean, yeah, I don't think we come up against too many arguments. I mean, we kind of weirdly agree on most it's things. A, it's kind of a problem. Like we could just call our podcast like the echo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Like everyone talk at once, please. And just yes, don't say yes, anything. Yes, yes, yes. And, um, and we're not non-argumentative people at all. No, but we aren't. There's just a lot of, I think that's probably why we decided to do a podcast together is because we agree each o- with each other so much, but maybe we should like differentiate that a little bit. Maybe we should have a sit down with wine and figure out where we're different and then have a duke, duke it out on the podcast. <laughs> I think, I think we just decided our next episode of Astrologist. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Astrological shit posting from one another. <laughs> I love it. When the astrologists fight with one another. Oh boy. Ooh, mm. That's good. A lot of claws involved in this Cancer Scorpio fight. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you do you both come up against um, ideas or, or things that you really fervently disagree on? Yeah. Both in your personal life and, you know, when you're recording. The only um, thing that I yeah. think we firmly disagree on is how, which health system to use. Oh. That's not so much a disagreement as, like, a, we just, like, I, I'm very fluid. I'll use Placidus, or I mostly use whole sign for my reading. So yes. whenever I'm doing bad astrologers, I'm like, time to pull up a Placidus chart, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's not, like, a disagreement. I think, like, it's more just, like, we both bring a different flavor, and that's what makes it really fun. That's yeah. Awesome. Like, yeah. I feel like... I'm the, like, annoying, like, bubbly one who's, like, everything's going to be great. Everything in your horoscope is going to turn out awesome. <laughs> I know you're having a sad return, but actually you're going to get, like, <laughs> super fit and, like, make a lot of money in, like, two years. So it's all <laughs> fine. Um, and then Jessa is over in the corner, like, Amelia, I don't think that's, like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Jessa, is there anything that I'm missing? I feel like... A relevant point in this conversation is that with every cell of my body, I hate Game of Thrones. Um, and yeah, I think that I think that might overpower the house system difference of opinion. Okay, that, yeah. I also That's fine. do not love Game of Thrones. <laughs> it's, it's not Lisa or Andy. It's, it's Lisa. 
Okay. Yeah, our personal life is like Lisa likes pop music a whole lot more than I do. Mm. I'm very, very choosy about it. And Lisa like really submits to like being a really deeply intelligent human who loves extremely cheesy pop music. I love it. I love it and I live by it. (laughs) (laughs) So our like cultural points of reference sometimes are like really far off from each other. True. True, true. I feel like one thing that's fun about working with Jessa is that we'll align on like really weird, random, specific pop culture references. Yeah, that's like absolutely Axel true. Rose. Yeah, right? like, we both know a lot about Axel Rose. <laughs> Who also knew? Strong opinions about Guns and Roses. What is he? Like, is he in Aquarius? Oh my god, what is he? What is Axel Rose? Is the most Aquarius person? Who's oh asked. my god! <laughs> I don't know. I just guessed. It felt That's, like the yeah. right answer. I, I can. I can feel. Yeah. that. I feel that. Yeah, it felt right. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. He was like our only example on our uh, Aquarius air sign stereotype uh, episode because none of <laughs> neither of us has much Aquarius, and like I just don't understand them. Um, I love Aquarius. Yeah, I know you do. I love that. It's another point of contention amongst us. Um, can I ask you guys? <laughs> can I ask you another question? Yes. I know you're interviewing us, but I'm I'm super curious after listening to your episodes. Um, I I really enjoyed the Lilith episode, and I'm still figuring out like where I stand with Lilith because there's so much to study and so many opinions to have about it. Um, and I'm a Lilith and Scorpio, <laughs> and I have feelings about that. But I would I would love to know like where you fall in your personal systems with uh, with Lilith. Um, is it asteroid? Is it dark side of the moon? Is it like another astrological system? Um, I would love your, your insight into Lilith. And also I want to hear about your Lilith. Okay. So I can tackle the, what is Lilith, at least for me. Um, so there's multiple different types of Lilith. Yep. Um, the one that we talk about as Lilith on that show is the black moon Lilith. Yep. Um, it's technically the lunar apogee. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you pull up a chart and it's got the little like crescent, that's also a, a female symbol. Mm-hmm. That's Lilith. Yep. Um, there's also an asteroid. I don't remember the number. Um, but there's an asteroid Lilith as well, which is different. I've noticed that it's a little bit different flavor instead of like unbridled sexuality and anger. She's a little more like Lilith fair, like the Alanis Morissette <laughs> plus Liz fair tour that's coming up. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> so those are the main differences. There's also Waldemath's Lilith. Yes, and I don't yes. understand what that is and I'm not going to attempt to explain it. Yeah. yeah that one, that one I know very little about. I, I tried. I tried. I, I don't yeah, know enough same. though. So that's Lilith. Jessa, is there anything else about Lilith that we need to say? Have either of you read oh. The Glam Witch? What now? The, have you either of you read the book The Glam Witch? I just got it. No, I haven't. By Michael Herkes. It's a magical okay. manifesto of empowerment with the great Lilithian arcane mysteries. And it kind of dabbles in that a little bit. Um, oh, I, okay. I oh, I just looked it up. There's a little bit of, I think, astrology in here and a whole lot of Lilithian ritual. And I'm there's some. I'm just looking at it right now. I haven't gotten through the whole book. I really like him, and I really like some of what I've read already. Um, yeah, and I'm very interested in the Lilith. Me too. Ever since I learned mine was in Taurus, um, which feels directly Oh, I ev- could see that. I love that. How can... Tell me. <laughs> how, tell 
me how you can. Now, that. now I'm gonna have to say why. Hold on, I need to pull up your chart and like uh, look a little. No, no, it, look a little more closely. I don't want. Okay. I don't want to force so, the conversation. No, it is totally okay. We love talking about Lilith, and <laughs> that's the direction this is going. I'm gonna embrace it. Yeah. No, I mean. People with Lilith and Taurus are, I think we've talked about this a little bit before, I don't have really anything in Taurus and its energy that I just so admire because it's so embodied, like just Mm -hmm. really comfortable and taking up physical space and, you know, enjoying the pleasures of the flesh. Like, you know, I imagine like the odalisque, like laying on a um, bed with soft blankets and fur and silk and lingerie. And, I love that. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. You bring that sort of, you, you said floral and Baroque earlier, and yeah. I think that, that it's definitely like oil painted Lilith. That's, um, mm, that's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. It, it shows in your Instagram feed. Like, I would definitely say your aesthetic is like oil painted Lilith for sure. Wow. I could never accept a greater compliment. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So did did you find your Lilith? Yes. So actually, I'm going to let Jessa talk about her Lilith first because my Lilith is in Virgo and I'm very bashful about it. So (laughs) yeah, no, I have Lilith conjunct sun, conjunct Jupiter, conjunct conjunct arrows, um, all in cancer. Whoa. Um, Whoa. so it's a lot, wow. it's a lot of Lilith. <laughs> um, and honestly, like I've never, I've never read, I've never read a description of Lilith that resonated with me, um, until, uh, Kaku von Stukrat, uh, who's my friend, who's a, an amazing Dutch astrologer, um, he wrote an entire book on Lilith that's only in German, but, um, but in our conversations about Lilith talking about how Lilith indicates the part of your life or self that has a connection to a pre monotheistic conception of the goddess, mm. um, that is just, it, it shows a relationship to an entirely different value system and um, way of embodying a particularly feminine um, spirituality or, you know, well, you know, depending on the house uh, it is that it's in, in your, in your chart. Mm -hmm. Um, So that to me resonated immediately um, and that's always how I kind of interpret her now is just like, what is the area of your life? Which part of your life do you have something that exists outside of what society tells you, you how you should be doing things? Mm-hmm. Um, and so where is that sort of um, more ancient form of being? And so, yeah, having it in my son is really hard, uh, weird. Mm. I was wondering, I was wondering how you dealt with that, how that felt. Definitely. It's a lot. I appreciate it. I love the Lilith on the sun. I think it's super cool. I'm kind of envious. Um, my Lilith is um, in Virgo, and depending on how big of an orb you're using, it's conjunct my Venus and Midheaven, also in Virgo. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and the way that operates, besides being just sort of like a very strong, I don't know, aesthetic, if we're talking about, um, you know, especially I think with Venus there, it's like Lilith in, okay, so one time, this is kind of a funny story, I, uh, I played in varying bands, and um, one time the local paper in describing a show that we had done said that I looked like a fantasy of a sexy secretary or something. Wow. Oh God. I've, I've, I've never lived it down. It was super embarrassing, but like, I think that's where the Lilith and Virgo jumps out. Yeah. Um, okay. and I think on the, like, as far as how that operates in my life, if I see it as being of service, like using that Lilith energy to be of service, whether it is, you know, embracing the female authority and, you know, not being afraid to go first in the workplace or, you know, making a way so that other women who, you know, whether students or other people who are following after, like I think a lot about legacy and how to um, give women more options and just, you know, that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself, but I really do. I think about that of how um, how I can help make a way for other women. Oh, I love so. that. I love that. I love that too. It's definitely reframing a lot for me. Mm-hmm. I, I really appreciate that perspective. Yeah, absolutely. But I think in Virgo, it's um, you know, I definitely I came up in a very conservative uh, religious upbringing and. And, you know, I, I definitely have some still, I mean, some issues around like today I was going to go work out and I'm like, am I going to work out in the sports bar? Or do I need to cover myself? And I'm like, oh, I am a grown ass woman. If mm-hmm. I want to wear this, it's literally going to be fine. Oh, um, I'm yeah. not going to cause anyone to stumble. But that's the kind of like Lilith and Virgo repression stuff that can yeah, come out yeah, of Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. I love that we got into this. Me and Andy were just chatting about this before we came on. Um, your Lilith episode and also Lilith in general. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm so glad you guys loved it. I feel like Lilith, the Lilith energy needs is like trying to come out in the world. Like the response that we got to that episode was wild. Wow. Um, really? I feel like we need to do Lilith the sequel. <laughs> We're working on some uh, future episodes for next year about the other goddess asteroids like mm-hmm. Vesta and yep. Juno and Ceres. Oh, I so can't wait. I can't that's wait. That's awesome. Can I bring it forward? Mm-hmm. While we're talking about asteroids, I wanted to tell y'all, and stop me if you know this already, you've probably already looked it up, so have y'all looked up the asteroids Bacchus or Dionysus in your charts? I haven't. I I've, have not. It's something I've heard of and I have not done. No. Okay, so obviously he's the yep. god of wine yep. and uh, ritual ecstasy. Yes. Um, we need to do an episode thing. on that. And <laughs> when I saw that you guys were astrolepsis, I thought, okay, well, I have to look up this asteroid in your charts. I love and you it. both have it super prominently placed. Really? Oh, wow. Yes. So, Lisa, you have Bacchus rising and then Dionysus pretty close to your moon, which is wow. one of the luminaries. And then, Andy, you have Bacchus on your sun, (gasps) and then Dionysus on your Chiron. Amazing. Um, And I I feel like I've, you know, like, met a tribe, because I have Bacchus close to my ascendant, too, and Dionysus on my Chiron, so just a bunch of maynads over here doing our thing. incredible. I love this. We are definitely going to bring this up in a future episode, and obviously reference this wonderful conversation. Wow, thank you. you. Thank you for taking the time. That's wonderful. No, absolutely. I had to do it. I mean, I guess we're all just going to wear Ivy crowns and exclusively um, wear 
you know, leopard print or something going yes, forward. Yes, please. <laughs> I have all the leopard print necessary. Just tell me where to show up with it. Exactly. <laughs> Just saw I looked at yours and that yeah, I got nothing. like some of your asteroids. I'm sorry. No, I, no you have other I got cool nothing. Ones. Yeah, I feel like I'm a, Lilith on your son makes up for all. Man, I got enough shit on my on my plate with that Lilith, so it's fine. <laughs> Give her a break. Uh, you have a uh, prominently placed Eros, which I think is super cool mm-hmm. and yep. you know unfair. It's fine. Yeah, no one talks <laughs> enough about Eros, honestly, and it's just because it's on my ego, on my son. I want full, constant Eros content, and I'm really, really not being satisfied. Oh. Jessa, how have we not talked about this? Damn. Literally, we're going to do an Eros episode immediately. We've only done like eight episodes or something yeah, like that. I Probably know. even less than that. So, <laughs> so we much, got time. Don't there's worry. so much feature. Okay. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> there's so much to be done. So many deep dives left to be dove. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Um, before we head out, I, we, uh, there's so many things I want to talk to you about. I don't know how y'all are doing on time. Okay. Um, Oh, we we have all the time. We're here for you. <laughs> yeah, we love okay, you guys. We're okay. here. We're here to chat. Let's with just you. keep going. <laughs> now, I really wanted to um, talk to y'all about. So, I have questions for each of you first. So, I'm going to talk to Lisa. Mm-hmm. Um, you have an amazing book, Light Magic for Dark Times, which I loved. Um, Thank you. I especially thought that um, the last minute uh, spells for bathroom stalls was adorable and also quite moving. You're you're oh. really here for us. Oh, thank um, you so much. I really used all of them when I was at my last job. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And um, I'll be using some of them coming up here soon. Oh. So we're going into some really dark astrology uh, now and in 2020. Um, how do you think that astrology can be our light magic in dark times? Or what, what dark things has astrology helped you get through? Oh, wow. Um, that's a beautiful question. And one that I've actually been thinking about writing an essay on for Luna Luna. Um, you should. I, I want to. It's just there's so many ideas and it's like a matter of sitting down and organizing them and, um making it practical and pragmatic, but also as emotional and authentic as I want it to sound. Um, okay, so I guess the, the short answer would be, I mean, we're always going to go through dark times. We're always going to have dark times, whether it be like in the more public, um, political, widespread kind of arenas. Or in our personal lives. So we're always going to tackle the shadow. It's always going to be creeping around the corner and albatross on our shoulders. Um, and light isn't like the direct opposite. It's, it's kind of how we choose to see the darkness, in my opinion. So it isn't like a matter of getting rid of it or making your, you know, building a moat from the bad suffering that we all kind of endure I think it's about reframing Mm -hmm. it for ourselves and I think when we maybe you know maybe something like picking one aspect of your chart each month or each week to kind of meditate on and reflect on to learn lessons from to kind of find where that can embolden and strengthen you as you go through these sort of dark times is one way to kind of learn about yourself um 
to learn about the the ways that you conquer and deal with or move through darkness and hard times um, so that you can learn di- different aspects of yourself because every, our entire charts teach us about different parts of ourselves mm-hmm. and give us different tools and different limitations and it, through those limitations ask us to kind of devise ways around them. So I think astrology, if anything, is just a way to sit down look at yourself and all the different variables of the self and the human condition and everything that could ever possibly go wrong in our lives and blue like blueprint ourselves back to ourselves. And I think like there's never going to be just like a purely light time. So it's a good thing to do like ahead of or during or inside the eye of the storm. Um, because I think like self-exploration and self-truth is always the key to like weathering anything dark. Um, and astrology is just one tool for that. Others might be something else like tarot or, or literally anything. So I deeply believe in using astrology to kind of like figure out who you are, all the parts of mm-hmm. yourselves. Is that That's a wonderful. super random yeah. answer? <laughs> no, not at all. Um, I think that was like very concise and clear. Um, you have Capricorn rising, yes. How have you been feeling with literally everything in Capricorn right now? Everything. Um, honestly, like, part of me is killing it. Um, I yeah. Had, I've had more, like, clients and work mm-hmm. and, like, awesome successes and money stuff come through, even though it's always a struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but there's also been a lot of, like, weirdness around um, – enoughness and imposter syndrome and um turning off like knowing when the fuck to shut up and just get off the internet and to stop being an avatar and to stop being a worker um and start just being a person who sits in a bathtub or has a glass of wine and like watches a movie and does nothing for the sake of doing nothing so it's been wonderful and a burden at the same time as I think Capricorn does to me every day of my life since I was born (laughs) That was eloquent, truly. <laughs> uh, the cancer's in the room. How are you feeling with the... We call it the dadpocalypse. Yes, uh, yes. I say we. Jessa coined that, that completely genius term for everything in Capricorn. I love it. Okay, Thank so you. Much. Thank you, Jessa. Thank you. That is you're, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> we all are truly welcome. I mean, my momness, is it under attack? A little bit. <laughs> I'm definitely at work. Like I enter work right now at a full sprint and I leave at a full sprint. The thing is I can't just like be a dad about it and just like put my nose to the grindstone. I have to sigh really loudly, like every 20 minutes. So everybody knows how much I'm doing to keep the workplace going for them. So (laughs) my cancerness gets into like, I will work my ass off. Absolutely. I will always get this done, but just so you know, I'm doing this for all of you all the time. And it just, it's hard. It's hard. It's so, so, it's so angular and tough against my soft momness. Mm-hmm. Like, just let me quietly do my work behind the scenes know, and then come and thank me for your entire life later. Get off of me. <laughs> like, get off. Yeah. <laughs> I get that. It's a tough time. It's a tough time. Yeah. It's a hard, it's a hard time. Mm-hmm. It's going to be on uh, on me soon with the Sagittarius Gemini. Oh, well, I guess you have Sag rising. Yeah. Sorry, fam. Yep. Yeah, I do. Um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> I am really freaking out about those eclipses. Um, so, Andy, we haven't yet talked at all about um, you as a strega mm-hmm. or a practitioner of Italian folk magic. Mm-hmm. I know nothing about Italian folk magic, except a little bit that I've heard from your podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm curious if you could tell us and our mm-hmm. listeners a little more about what that means yep. and if astrology is a part of that practice. Can you walk us through it? So it's interesting because astrology actually was pretty separate in my stregaria growing up. Um, and Stregoria was actually not like sort of, um, unveiled or called that until much later in life for me, um, for a lot of Italian folk magic. And it's not exclusive to the Italian American culture by any stretch. There's a lot of cultures that have a similar thing. It's basically like, um, like women taking power into their own hands in their kitchens with whatever's around them while still practicing for a lot of people, it was Catholicism. Um, and so it's like sort of like it's tied into the saints, it's tied into Catholic mass and it's tied into, um, taking care of your family and the community around you. And it's not something that like, it's really hard to find good books on Stregoria because it is so family and woman oriented. Um, it doesn't have like a high practice that is academic. So, and even when it does, I find it a little bit hard to trust that source material, to be honest. Uh, it really is something that is handed down from like woman to woman in the family, and specifically in Stregoria through through Italy, um, and specifically through southern Italy, the way that it sort of worked is that every sort of village had its village strega, and she had her uh, strength. She had her spell. She had her thing that she did. And you would go to different villages um, to find the, the thing that you needed, which is not to say that the women practicing weren't um, like knowledgeable in a lot of different areas. It's that they usually had a specialty. Um, and so I've come, I come from a long line of women who, um, do a sort of anti-hex of taking the malocchio or the evil eye off of people for many generations. Um, and it's been practiced by women who would never call themselves anything other than Catholic up until very recently. Um, and so I'm sort of like a new generation and a new like breed of that. And I do my best to honor my ancestral and cultural history um, which is really through word of mouth and through family association and through talking to other people who have similar experiences while still being a very modern lapsed Catholic as lapsed as it gets um, and tying in a separate astrology practice to that astrology did not tie into my family's Gregoria practice other than to follow like moon cycles. That was really the only thing. Was that, is that, that is- so That's perfect. That is so interesting. I'm I'm really fascinated because I don't have any Italian ancestry, but I was raised Catholic, and I mm-hmm. think the sort of syncretic ways that astrology and magic gets gets in are mm-hmm. super fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, in your chart, Andy, um, one asteroid that I like to look at for like deep connection to Catholicism is asteroid Magdalena, who connects Ooh. with Mary Magdalene. Yes. And I noticed that you had her right on your Pluto, which can be like a very, wow. very, very, very powerful magnetic draw towards Catholicism and particularly like hidden forms of Catholic magic. So I was like, Ooh, there it is. She's got it. Amazing. <laughs> it's probably directly from like Maria to Maria to Maria to me. <laughs> probably. <laughs> wow. That's like very literal. Um, uh, yeah, I'll tell, can I tell just like one very quick story? I probably have told it on the podcast, but I get very drunk on those. And so I forget, <laughs> please, <laughs> I'm not now. Please do. but like the way, the way that Stregoria sort of like comes into your life is that like, I remember being in the kitchen when I was maybe four or five years old and my aunt, um, one of them, and I'm not going to name her, but she was having pregnancy troubles. 
Uh, and she came in and she told my grandmother, myself, and several of my aunts and cousins, she was really excited that um, she was pregnant. And we everybody was like jumping up and down for joy. And my grandmother said nothing. And uh, when she left the room, my grandmother looked at me and held up an egg into the light and looked at something inside the egg and looked at me and just shook her head no. And it was this huge experience for me where like I knew exactly what she was saying to me while being so young that I didn't even understand like the the full power and implication of that. And then, you know, like several weeks later, the pregnancy did not come to fruition. And my grandmother just looked at me again with that same look of like, we already knew this, didn't we? And that's just like something that a very Catholic woman had no problem doing or showing me or teaching me. And so I was just raised Mm -hmm. with this like undercurrent. And I think that um, a lot of really interesting magic happens in kitchens and it happens in folk form where it's not written down and there aren't spells that you can cast that are like prescripted or prescribed. It's just, um, it's, it's inherent, it's cultural and it's passed down. And that, and so that's where I come from. Mm, I love that. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. So we're getting towards the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to ask you guys a couple rapid fire questions. Just like answer them as quickly as you can. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not trying to incite a riot, but maybe a little bit. I'm just curious. So we we got it. We got at this a little bit earlier, um, but you know, I'm just gonna like poke the hornet's nest a little more. <laughs> I, we I'm go. here for it. Scorpios are ready. I'm ready. Can't yes. I'm like stuttering in the background. Okay, so just answer as fast as you can, and you can tell us why you picked it if you feel like you need to defend it. So, um, what is your favorite planet? Pluto. This is Lisa. Uh, I love Pluto. Uh, it's my favorite. Um, be well I guess yeah that's a rapid fire right Pluto there you go <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm gonna say my favorite is Jupiter because it's like the, it, I mean it's the Sag it's the luck yeah, it's like expansion. it's what expands yeah. us yeah Jupiter is like a joyful planet for me yes I, I feel the same I feel very biased I share lots of your opinions <laughs> okay what is your favorite zodiac sign to party with Ooh. It's going to be different for us. I'm saying pure Sag. I'm a Sag rising, and I've been with a million Sages. They are, and it's like a very typical answer, but I stand by it. Uh, I'm I'm going to say I'm going to say a Gemini. Um, I don't really? love really. I'm gonna, okay. I don't love Gemini's, but I love the way they party. I think they're crazy. They're wild. They show up. They want a lot of attention. They're talkative. They always tell me some weird shit. Um, I don't mind a Gemini. That's they true. also cause a little drama, and I yep. love a little yep. drama at a party. Like I kind of want to get, I, I want to get pulled into a bathroom and told the hot gossip, um, because I'm a Scorpio and I can keep that secret, or I can destroy your life with it. So it's like, why not? Terrifying! Oh my god! Sorry, sorry. <laughs> so true. Jessa, what's your favorite sign to party with? Oh, Scorpios. Yeah. Oh yes. They're like yeah. Ten yeah. out of ten. <laughs> no, it's a it's a journey through the underworld every night. It's, uh, no, it's good. I like it. Okay, good. I feel like we should all do these now. Okay, yeah. so the sign that the sign that frustrates you the most? Hmm. Lisa. Virgo. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, you, know, you know what? Virgo annoy me the most. Pisces frustrates me the most. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. a difference. I can stand being annoyed. I hate being frustrated. I hate the smallness that Pisces can inhabit sometimes. Um, even though I know that that's really mean, they just 
become little babies, and I just am not here for it. I'm not like, but they are sweet little babies. They're like baby Yoda. I don't want. I don't want. I'm not. I don't want babies. I'm good. I I I know. I know. Uh, I'm gonna go and say so. Like sages are my favorite to party with. However, they frustrate me the most as human (laughs) beings. Absolutely, they just. (laughs) sweep you off your feet and then they disappear i love your love-hate relationship i have such a love-hate with sages it's true what about you two amelia you didn't answer the previous question so you you have to answer that one first yeah um okay so my favorite planet is uh probably jupiter or mercury I'm really obsessed with Mercury. I'm going to go with Mercury. Okay. No um, one is coming out for Venus. I'm sorry. Venus Venus is the best planet. I'm sorry. Venus might be the best planet. Actually, I'm just going to say Lilith is the best planet, even though she's not a planet. Definitely not That's a planet okay. in any I, sense of the word. Uh, she's an imaginary. She's a mathematical <laughs> abstraction. <laughs> I have Mars and Pisces. Leave me alone. I, every, everything is a construct. It's fine. My favorite zodiac sign to party with has, has got to be. Um, I don't know. Maybe. Sagittarius is too. We keep agreeing, like, Amelia. <laughs> Sagittarius are fun, um, and they always have some sort of weird story. Yeah, they'll do. go off on a tangent, and you're like, "Wow, you just shared a lot with me." And it's just like you're watching a movie, but they're literally telling you about your life. And as a Sag rising, I know I do the same. That's why I have a podcast. Yep. Same. Um, <laughs> sign. Sign that frustrates me the most is uh, Pisces, for sure. I say this lovingly as someone who has Mars and Pisces at 29 degrees. That shit is frustrating as hell. Yeah, it is. Like, (laughs) just getting the gumption to decide to do it. People thought Libras were indecisive. Mm -hmm. Y'all don't even know how indecisive Pisces is. The Pisces, you can't believe them. And I also think, like, Sagas have the reputation to be the great disappearers, but I think Pisces are just as likely. And I say that as a moon in Pisces. Like, they are just as bad at disappearing as But they'll reappear. They'll reappear. You think? I don't think so. Are, no, Sages will disappear for good. Pisces, in my opinion, like will reappear. Oh, like, no, why I think are you here again? I think Sages show back up. And they're like, oh. here I am. What's the big deal? <laughs> <laughs> What's the problem? Okay, everyone. We should move on to the next one. Um, okay. Which zodiac sign are you most attracted to? Um, that can be, like, in a romantic or sexual way, or it can just be, like, which one are you most drawn to? So Interpret I'm, as you will. All my best friends are Scorpios. I have three friends that have the same exact birthday, and my dad is the next day, and I'm close with him, too. Scorpio is my favorite sign to be around and interact with, and they make my favorite friendships, but I've literally never dated one, so I don't know that part. Um, so, for me, I have two things. Pisces men are like catnip for me, but so are Virgo women. So, I... <laughs> okay, very good. They, and it's funny because, you know, obviously they're opposites. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> in my chart, it's really, yeah. Virgo women, Pisces men can't resist either one. Mm, I think I would say I'm very attracted to, to the Cancer and the Capricorn for different reasons. I like the depth of a Cancer, the softness, the vulnerability. And I like Capricorn just showing the fuck up and like being smart and on top of things. And I'm really attracted to that. We both chose two op- the opposites. Yeah. 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 I like uh-huh. both. What about you two? Jessa? Uh, I probably have mostly Scorpio friends. 
But as far as like who I want to both fuck and stab, uh, it would be Aquarius. Wow, rich. That's a rich answer. Yes, yes. It makes yes. a lot of sense. Yes. Too. yes. And what about you, Amelia? Um, I would say I was thinking exactly the same as you, uh, Lisa. The Cancer, Capricorn axis. Mm. Um. I married a Capricorn rising with a Cancer moon, so Aww. it all works out. That's nice. For, for the same reasons that uh, Lisa listed. Aww. The um, vulnerability, but also, like, uh, you know, it helps to balance out the, the Pisces all over the place. This is very good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so second to last one have you ever met anyone who astrologically you should have been compatible with but you ended up hating their guts yeah every Pisces man that I ever dated <laughs> <laughs> and I've tried I've had like live-in relationships like serious long-term relationships where not just not just the Pisces but the rest of their chart was definitely supposed to be in line but there is something about a Pisces son with me no matter how compatible the rest of the chart, it has never, ever. I mean, I mean, not just like not worked out, but like ended catastrophically. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Horrifically. Yes. <laughs> I've made a lot of Pisces boys really cry a lot. You know, I'm going to oh. say cancer. And it, it isn't that I don't, I love cancer. My cancers are my favorite signs. I stand cancer for eternity. Um, and I'm attracted to cancer. Uh, and I, both as friends and lovers. But I've had at least two very destructive relationships with cancers and a friendship. Um, and I, I think it's honestly just because we, we all just got into the muck a little bit too much with each other. And you have to be careful n- not to poison the well. So I would say cancer, mm-hmm. even though they're my mm-hmm. favorite. Yeah. 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 <laughs> for me I would say uh, I've definitely met people who I'm supposed to be super compatible with but I definitely ended up hating their guts and went in to stop them um, <laughs> it usually happens with Pisces people mm. um, unless yep. there's other things in the chart that you know offset it like mm. one of my dearest friends is a Pisces but she's got Mars and Capricorn and like a Gemini rising like mm-hmm. there's some other flavors and yes, they're changing yes. it up but like if someone is too heavy on the Pisces I think with my Mars and Pisces it just fizzles out like nothing mm-hmm. happens whether it's like a creative collaboration or a friendship mm-hmm. or anything it just doesn't go yeah so. yeah and I hear that that makes sense what about you Jessa yeah I had a, a Gemini X that uh our charts were amazing and like three astrologers were this is, this is it for you. Like, this is a lifelong kind of thing. And then I was like, why did I go to three astrologers to check my synastry? Right. Because this person is driving me absolutely insane. And it takes all of my effort not to hit him over the head with a wine bottle every time I hang out with him. Like, (laughs) yeah. So, um, so yeah, our charts were beautiful and amazing and perfect. And we're not on speaking terms. (laughs) So there you go. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> That's hard. <laughs> okay, last one, I promise. Oh, no. Um, love it. The wrap-up is, who has the most interesting astrology chart to you? Is there, like, a celebrity chart that you keep coming back to and obsessing on? Oh, that's a great question. That is a good question. I have two answers. Do you? Bjork being a triple Scorpio. Ah, that's a good one. 
I'm just fascinated by that. And SZA has like, it's been like five Scorpio placements. Oh, love her. Yes, she does. She's so Scorpio. She's Thank so you. amazing. Scorpio. And I just think her albums like scream that to the you world. Do. You really do. Yeah. Oh, we yeah. talked about this on one of our episodes. We did talk about her. I'm obsessed. But I think those two, and I didn't mean to just pick Scorpios, but I find it like a triple oh. Scorpio. I just, I mean, that's Bjork that's, is crazy, but like not crazy. You know what I mean? I, yeah, um, yeah. I didn't mean that. That's a derogative term. Um, but SZA having like, I, it's like, a, I forget now, I don't have it in front of me, but it's like Sun, Mercury, <laughs> like five major, major placements in Scorpio. Uh, and I think she just embodies it. Like she's like she does a living it. embodiment of Scorpio to me. Yeah, she really is. Um, I'm going to have to pass on that. I, I don't, I can't recall uh, some of the charts for the people that I, I really did enjoy reading about. And sometimes I can't trust the charts because I don't know if they're actually real or not. Mm. Um, but I I, I do remember looking up Keats' chart, the poet Keats. Um, I don't think it was real because that's so long ago, and I can't imagine someone has his actual birth time. But uh, to me, I remember it being like Scorpio and Cancer and like Pisces and beautiful, watery magic. Um, and I was struck at the time because I thought, God, this is like so Keats. You like, want to believe that. I want, I need it. <laughs> like that would be just the most beautiful, poetic emotional fluid thing this gift but uh can't can't say if i know it's if it's valid or not but um in my heart of hearts my beautiful halloween scorpio keats is all of those watery signs Mm -hmm. and more um but i don't know what about you two who do you keep coming back to um so uh, American philosopher William James, sure. <laughs> uh, who had uh, every every single planet in Capricorn. What? what? Literally what? every every single planet in Capricorn except for Mars, which was in Pisces. What? And oh I I God. see it and I ache. Like That's I so just wild. I I fall to the floor in a dead faint. Um, wow! <laughs> but every time I'm going through a Capricorn thing. I take strength from William James, who every day must have been like a Saturn return for him. Oh, like it just yeah. must have been. <laughs> and I think about it constantly. Wow. And he wanted to die so badly. <laughs> just think about it yes. all of the time. I'm yep. in shock. That's why. By the way, I can confirm Jess's obsession with William James, but also like it totally served the greater good. She once gave me a reading in which I was, like, begging for advice about my Mars and Pisces at 29 degrees because I just didn't know what to do, and yep. it's exhausting. And she was like, well, William James. And yep. uh, it actually made me feel so much better Aww, about all of it. So. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> for Most me, Mars oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> he truly was. I mean, maybe one day I'll write something actually awesome and worthwhile about the varieties of religious experience. Who knows? <laughs> In the meantime, I'm just over here super hung up on the uh, astrological charts of psychoanalysts, like uh, Sigmund Freud for some reason, mm-hmm. and uh, Carl Jung. Yep. Um, they have very, very interesting charts. In particular, uh, Sigmund Freud's weird, like, uh, like. Mars retrograde plus Lilith pairing, and uh, I don't know. Yeah. So he has some weird Lilith nonsense that he was obviously trying to of work course. out in <laughs> curious ways. It's totally fine. 
Interesting. No. Yep, that's mine. Speaking of people whose charts I've looked up, I admit something terrible, which please do not hold this against me. I have been somehow, some for some terrible, horrible reason, um, been watching the Kardashians. And I watched it. <laughs> I watched, like, I was just not feeling well the other day. So I watched a few episodes, and it was I haven't really watched it before. Um, so I was curious, like, and I made a list in my mind of what signs I thought all of the Kardashian-Jenners would be. And it turns out they've got mostly Scorpios in their family, which broke my heart <laughs> and also made sense. Um, it's rough. So some, that's been something I've been weirdly uh, meditating on. <laughs> um, really, really terrible. Really terrible news. For Team Scorpio. <laughs> we obviously think a lot about the Kardashians too. They just keep coming up. Them and Kanye. I mean, how can you not? I know. How can you not? Kim and Kylie both have um, their Lilith and Virgo. Mm. Um, I mean, that makes sense. Venus and Virgo, I believe, as well. So I kind of, I'm like, oh no, am I a Kardashian? God, I hope not. <laughs> uh, Don't worry, you're not. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but no, we don't hold it against you, not at all. I mean, I it's just honestly like cultural anthropology at exactly. this point. At this point, to watch anything that they do or pay any attention, it really is just yeah. <laughs> it's modern. It's Indeed, anthropology. Yeah, it's like a little bit of a car crash type thing. Mm-hmm. All right, ladies, this has been wonderful. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time. If I had a wine glass, I would cheers you. Here, I'll clink ours together for you. Where's yours, Lisa? (laughs) We're just trying to be on brand here. (laughs) Thank you so much. We're both so honored that you would have us, and we're big fans, and we appreciate it so much. And truly, I'm going to fangirl for one second and say, Jessa, that The Creative Tarot is the only book I own Physically and an ebook form because I have to reference it so much. I actually do too. I need, it, I need it on the fly as well as in person. <laughs> yeah. That's the last I'll say about it. I won't like go on and on, but I love it that Thank much. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> it's a it's a very, very good book. It's a sure. very, very good book. <laughs> it's incredible. It really, really changed a lot of the way I thought about tarot. And I'm not in any way like a professional, but I utilize it so often. Thank you so much for that and thank you both of you. Yeah, truly thank, thank you for thank having you. us on. Yeah, thank you.